just always, you know, enjoyed being in Minnesota. Had people were great. You know, I had even fans who would invite me to their homes for food and stuff. I would do go to their oh house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was That's man. I was crazy. living in a community, man. I had no big deal. Think about that. No big deal. That you you cooking? What you having? Fish? You I, I'm there. Give me your address. I'm there. Wow. Yeah. Did for that happen often? Yeah. What you talking about? Yeah. Of course. That's crazy. I, I'm at your door. What you cooking? Something I like? I'm there. <laughs> or what you like? If you want me there, I'm gonna tell you what I like. You want it? Let's go. That was Pooh Richardson. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus, presented by Aura. McLaughlin for Towns, and one for Cat with an exclamation point. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Wow, he got his feelings hurt on this one. Oh, May the force be with you. Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okogie. Who you were introduced at Target Center yes. at half court during the game against Philadelphia. Standing ovation from the fans. Do you feel the love from Timberwolves fans whenever you're back in town? 100%. It's yeah. great. It's, uh, it reminds me so much of the days at the Metrodome. It's, it was so crazy. You know, those, those experiences you can never forget. It was, uh, and it seemed like you relive them every time you step out on the court. They love you. Yeah. The fans, I love them too. They love it. I love them too. I hope you feel it. I had a great time. You grew up in Philadelphia. Yes. And you, I imagine, played basketball as a little kid. Were you always good? Did it come naturally to you? Were you just a star from the get-go? Well, it's ironic because I, I used to play football a lot as a youngster. And my favorite team happened to be the Minnesota Vikings. Really? Yeah. Not the Eagles? Not the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles was my second team. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. I used to love Fran Tarkett and Chuck Foreman, Alan Page, Carl Eller. I can go on, on and on. I, these are, those are my guys. Um, and then uh, I started playing basketball. That's my second sport. And I was really good at both. Uh, I was really young. And I used to be better than some of the older guys. And I was wondering, like, mm. is it just because I'm having fun or am I really that much better than those guys? And especially when you grew up in Philly, young guys hit the court at five, six years old. Mm -hmm. And I started playing it. And then I gave up football when I was going into the ninth grade because I started weighing, what am I, am I dedicated to the weight room or am I dedicated to the basketball court? And back then, weights wasn't as prevalent in, in basketball at the time. And I didn't like the weights. So I went on and played basketball. Because you didn't want to get bigger and bulkier. You wanted to stay like I used sleek. To, I used to complain maybe my clothes won't fit me and <laughs> get too strong, something like that. So you yeah? chose basketball at yes, about I did. ninth grade. Yes, I did. And at that time, mm -hmm. you had to have been elite. Phil, I mean, Philly is a hotbed for basketball. Philly There's, there are bed. legends yes. that have come it's from few, Philly. It's a few. So yeah. they know talent when they see it. Yes. And you did you know you had that? No, because the older guys, I used to play with so many older guys, and they would be they better than me because they was a little bit, they was wiser, they was experienced. A lot of them was in college. I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, they were in college. And so you I couldn't be You were playing guys in college when you were in middle school? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I wasn't, I wasn't as good as those guys. No, but you were on the court. 
Yeah, I was on the court. I used to, they used to tuck me in a corner and throw the ball to me, and I know I can make that corner shot. <laughs> there you go. You found your spot. Yeah, I found my spot. spot. I was smart enough to find my spot. I didn't do anything I couldn't. <laughs> I stayed within my lane, you know. There you go. Well, that had to have helped your development to play against guys that were that much bigger and stronger and faster and better than you. Yes, uh, I think with all the guys who've come out of Philly who've played like one of the ex-players, uh, you know, Eddie Griffin, who's played mm -hmm. here and mm -hmm. is from Philly. I know his brother Marvin. And uh, we all kind of grew up together, you know, with the Rashi Wallaces, the Aaron McKees, and, you know, Eddie Jones is another guy who's involved. We just, I just grew up with so many guys. Uh, Kyle Lowry is one of my younger guys. And it's just so many guys that was involved and in growing up. And it was like a pecking order. The, the guys that I was watching, like growing up watching Kobe Dad Joe, watching a guy named Mo Howard who had, was a star at Maryland and played with John Lucas and those guys. And uh, Dallas Comagees who went to DePaul and wound up getting drafted by the Nets. So you, you was able to see all those guys growing up and playing against them when I was a young guy. Mm -hmm. And young guys don't have the patience anymore. And I, I played, I couldn't, they wouldn't allow me to play in organized ball with sixth graders because I was in sixth, sure. seventh grade because they would place me in the center spot. And that probably wasn't going to be my future. So people, Because you were tall then? I was taller than most of the sixth graders. Right. And I was better than most of the sixth graders. So they always had me playing against eighth, ninth, sure. tenth college guys. And I played in an organization, which is the Sunny Hill League, which is a prominent league in Philly. You know, it's just like the, one of the biggest leagues in, mm -hmm. in probably the history of Philadelphia. And um, I used to sit on the bench from the sixth grade to the eighth grade. And I would play in recreation leagues, but this was the top league. This was the top league. And I was, I was on that, that team in the sixth grade, and I was playing against 10th, 10th 11th, and 12th graders. So I had to sit and wait my turn. And nowadays, kids would just jump up and go jump on an AAU team. I, I, I sat there and I watched and I learned. I learned mm. so much. And now the guys that I learned from, they're coaching. One of the guys is Bruiser Flint, who's coaching at Kentucky with uh, John Kyle Perry. And he basically taught me how to play. So I watched, I watched. And a lot of guys who taught me how to play didn't become professionals, but they were really good college players, really good college players. Yeah. Well, you obviously became pretty good. You were a McDonald's All-American yes, when you were in high school. Yes. You played college ball at UCLA. Yes. So we're talking Philadelphia <laughs> in the Northeast to UCLA yes. in the Southwest. Yes. Was that a big deal to just even change sides of the country for you? Well, you know, it was. But growing up, when you start seeing some of the guys that you kind of idolize growing up and they, you see them play on national TV, Mm -hmm. You start thinking, I can do that. You know, that's what I want to do. At that time, one of the one of the schools that you would go to in Philly would maybe Villanova, and Temple was just on the sure. rise. Yep. Those the only two schools that was even getting national prominence, any, any kind of talk about or any national play. So I was like, well, I don't know. Then Walt Hazard at the time, another Philly product, was the head coach at UCLA. Mm -hmm. His assistant was Andre McCarter who's also from South Philadelphia, where I'm from. So me going to UCLA, it was a smooth transition. You know, I got homesick the first maybe month because I was on campus doing summer classes and no one was on campus, not even with my teammates. And I'm looking for Reggie Miller, can't find him. And it's just like, it's, it's, I was just there. But I, I gutted it out, you know, I gutted it out and, and stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. well, uh it turned out to be a good choice. I not mean, not bad. Things worked out for you. <laughs>
I thought what was really interesting is that college basketball as a whole added the three-point line in the 86-87 season. That was your sophomore season of yes. college. So I was looking at your stats. When you were a freshman, mm -hmm. they didn't have the three-point line. When you right. were a sophomore at UCLA, you went two for eight mm -hmm. from three. As a junior, two for seven right. from three. Your senior year, 48 for 97. Yes. What happened between your junior year and your senior year that suddenly you're, you are a prolific three-point shooter? Well, a lot, a lot of it had to do with the development of uh, uh, Coach Brad Holland, who used to play at UCLA as well really good shooter mm -hmm. you know I think he played on that first Laker championship team okay. when Magic w was going yeah, crazy against sure. my Sixers <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh, when they when they implemented the three-point game the the three-point shot I didn't take many of them anyway that was Reggie's job yep. you know Reggie shot all the long shots I was more or less the penetrator passer because my outside shot wasn't as good as most of the guys on the team but I know I can get to the basket and I know I can get the ball to people in the right places. And as time went on, I started, you know, developing the shot, developing the shot, because I knew that was something I had to have getting to the next level if I wanted to play on the next mm -hmm. level. And so I started working on it every summer, every summer, every summer. And then one summer, I just started, you know, really focusing on why I'm missing shots, you know, what shots to take, only take good ones. And when I started taking better shots, the percentages started going up. And that's how that's how I started developing the three point shot. Okay. And then once season started, I was just I was just ready to go because now the three point game has been part of what's going on. Yeah. Now the, you know you you're running plays now for three point shots. Yes. So that's that was one of the things I was getting better at. So that's what it that's what I did. How big of an adjustment was it for just guys in general playing college basketball, the mentality of that? This did not exist when you were a freshman in college, and then all right. of a sudden you play your, I mean, you knew it was coming, mm -hmm. but you play your sophomore season. How big of an adjustment? That is a massive change to add that three-point shot in. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard. It wasn't even, it wasn't easy. It was, it was hard to, to do that because people wasn't taking those kind of shots unless you uh, played the two position or the three. Okay. And, and on our team, Reggie shot all those shots, yeah. all those long shots, you know. I did. I never thought about it because I was just like, let's get to the paint. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tremendous tre um, adjustment that you have to make. But yeah. it, it's all about your work ethic. You know, you got if you want to do something, you got zero in, and you got to go in and, mm -hmm. and do it. And don't be afraid of failing at it. You know, and just keep going. And I luckily I had a great staff that supported that. I just think that's fascinating of teams figuring out how do we use this? How should we avoid it? How do we defend it? Like, how are teams going to to use it when it's a completely new thing? You, your first two seasons at UCLA were with Reggie Miller, so he was two years ahead of you. Yes. And you have mentioned a couple of times he was taking all those shots. All was those shots. he an incredible shooter, even at that time, even at that age? Practices, before games, whatever. Was he just dropping them? Yeah, I. You can. We watch film, and this one, a three-point shot, wasn't in our game. We would watch film, and he would literally be out the screen, and all you could see is his hands because he got that funny shot when he does this, and all you sure. can see is this in the screen. When you're watching film, you're like, did he just take that shot for almost half court? You know, he will take a shot. Well, like, there was no shot he wouldn't take. So I used to tell Coach, Coach, you let me shoot those kind of shots. 
shut up, boy. He know how to make those. And I was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> and he did. But yeah, he did. Yeah. Is Special this shooter. A, Special his sister shooter. was pretty good, too. Did Cheryl Miller ever yeah, stop yeah. by? I see Cheryl all the time. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You know, and um, Cheryl was at SC. I think she was a senior. I want to say she was a senior. Okay. Because I remember going to see her play, you know. But, yeah, it's just, uh, Cheryl used to come up and visit Reg all the time. You know, they were really tight. Tight-knit family. Daryl, the brother who played for the uh, Angels, mm -hmm. Daryl played. Very tight family, very tight. Sister Tammy, they, they're really good people. Uh, they're good athletes. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, good athletes. Really good athletes. That. Okay, um, you were drafted tenth overall by the Timberwolves in 1989. Yes. First ever draft pick. They will forever yes. be one of your Trivial accomplishments. Label <laughs> tribute. Yeah, however you want to look at it, that will forever be tied to you. But you had just turned 23 years old. Mm -hmm. You'd finished college, but at 23. Did you really know what to make of that? Of a new team's first ever draft choice at 23. How how do you know the significance or insignificance of that? Actually, I I didn't know. All I know that that you had Orlando, Miami, and Charlotte, and the whole goal was to be better than those three teams. <laughs> that was our goal. Um, and I was explaining to some of the players yesterday. It's interesting because when I when I got here, uh, I had so much experience of playing in the summer up at UCLA with all the pros. Mm -hmm. You know, I played every day with Magic Johnson. I played every day in the summer with Isaiah, one on one, doing stuff, working on stuff. So I was already comfortable about playing. Now I know that when you start playing for real, that it's a whole different it's mentality, different, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But the body movements and the, the, the tendencies don't change. They just get quicker and faster, right? And they're more meaningful. So I was able to make that transition a little easier. But what I found was tough. Uh, it wasn't even a coaching because, you know, Bill Musselman, Coach Musselman, mm -hmm. who's demanding coach, you know, fiery. And um, I, was explaining, I was explaining to some of the guys is that, I was placed in a situation, and a lot of people don't understand it. I was placed in a situation where I had guys that were played CBA, who was loyal to Coach Musselman at the time. And he was comfortable with them. I didn't know him, nor did I know the guys on the team. And they was basically fighting for their NBA careers because they didn't have them. They was mm -hmm. just, this was their opportunity. So I wasn't getting the guidance that some of my co-partners was getting at, at teams that had veterans who would say, so when I didn't understand some of the things that Coach Musselman would say and do, people took it like I was being defiant towards him. And I wasn't. I just didn't understand what he was saying and what he was, you know, what he meant or what he was expecting of me. And no guys on the team was actually grabbing me by my collar saying, yo, man, this is what he mean. This is what he's saying. Because they were worrying about more or less them having an NBA career. Sure. So I, I didn't have that. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. But I'm comfortable with it. And I'm Philly. I'm from Philly, man. I, I'll figure it out. So I, I was able to figure that out. You know? But I, I didn't get some of the veteran leadership sure. that's necessary for the transition to be that much smoother. Okay. Well, it sounds like one man who helped you figure it out was Tom Thibodeau. Yes. Because he was an assistant coach for yes. two seasons in Minnesota. Yes. And I had read an article where you said he was great yes. for me. Yes. Why was he great for you? He was great for me because he had experience with Coach Musselman. 
And he was the one that was keeping my, my head together. You know, when you come in as a rookie and you want to play, you know, nowadays, we don't know if that exists because they got load management nowadays, right? <laughs> so, so whatever that is, I'm going I'm to leave that up to everybody else to deal with. But, you know, I would never want to come out the game. Of course, that's unrealistic. But I love the game so much, sure. and I wanted to perform so much, right? So Thibodeau was the one who was giving me the guidance of how to deal with coach, what to expect, how to, how to ask certain questions, and what he was expecting of me. And then Tibbs would go out, and me and him would work out like maniacs just before the game because I didn't know if I was going to play or not. But I have enough energy to, to do what I needed to do. And Coach Tip was there every day with me, every day just working me, working me, working me, being really demanding. And uh, I just accepted because I took those workouts as my games. And then if, if your minutes increased, those workouts scaled back a little bit? Yeah, the workouts, actually, we kept doing them because now and I was like, this works. You know? <laughs> now you need it. Then I, now <laughs> I need it. And then when Coach finally put me in a lineup, I just like took off from there and I was like, hey, Tip, we got we to gotta keep doing this. <laughs> he said, no, you're playing so many minutes, you can't really do it. I said, Tip, I have to do this because I'm, I'm, now I'm scared. If I don't do it, you know, the possibilities sure. of not being successful. You got your routine. You got to stick to the Did routine. You know, it works for me. <laughs> you had made first team all rookie in that first year and you had yes. said half of this plaque should go to Tibbs. Yes. And then you were back in Minnesota mm -hmm. when he was head coach of the Timberwolves. Yes. Did you get to have a conversation with him yes. as an adult now that you had never had a conversation as a player? Yes. And what did you guys talk I, about I, or what I, did you want to say? I, I had the uh, conversation with him and, and, and I was at practice. They was getting ready to break for practice. He called me into the circle and he told the guys, uh, you know, who some of the guys, you know, a lot of the guys are, don't know much about basketball history you know, some of them. And he was explaining to them what I have accomplished being a Timberwolf and what it meant and all the other things. Mm -hmm. And then I just said, you know, well, yeah, I, I did those things, but if it wasn't for you, I, there's no way I would have done them because I was so frustrated. Uh, wasn't about me being frustrated if I could play or not. Just frustrated about getting my opportunity just mm -hmm. to show everyone that they made the right decision and drafted me. You know, it was more about me giving the fans what they was expecting. And if it wasn't for you, Tibbs, there's no way I, I, I would have done it. And uh, the accomplishments that I received uh, going through my NBA career, it's, uh, half of them is dedicated to you because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have them. And I bet it meant a lot for you to be able to say that to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah because a lot of times we go through life and appreciation of people aren't really explained. I don't know if it's a macho thing or whatever. You know, I'm quick to tell someone I love them. I'm quick to tell someone I respect them. Mm -hmm. I'm quick to say hello. You know, how are you? Because I do care about the way people live and how they feel about certain things. You know, every day is not going to be a great day. But when someone say they love you and thank you for something, it allows you to kind of probably change the narrative of your day. That's a great way to live. Yeah, I That's love a great it. way to live. It's me. That's you. Um, <clears throat> Your rookie season with Minnesota, there were eight different games where you played 48 minutes. All 48, eight different games. Can your you imagine second, that? Second season, <laughs> seven games. Your third season, one game. But all 48, 
That doesn't happen very often. Yet as a rookie, eight times, and in your second season, seven times. That means you never had a sprained ankle that kept you out. I'm not even talking like a blown out knee. You mm. never had a tweak? Mm -mm. No. And you were playing 48 minutes. Right. How, what, how, where's the, the stamina to play? You're working out with hard with Tibbs before the game. Where's yes. that stamina come from to play 48 then during the game? Because, you know, if you love what you do, it's not work, you know, it's fun. It's, it's, it's something that you look forward to doing. I look forward to coming to the gym. I look forward to, to playing against guys every day, you know, and, and it was crazy because I came from not playing much to playing a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and not, not even coming out the game. And I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I rested. I just had fun like a regular, like a person, you know, I just always, you know, enjoyed being in Minnesota. Had people were great. You know, I had even fans who would invite me to their homes for food and stuff. I would do go to their oh house. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was That's man. I was crazy. living in a community, man. I, I, know, I didn't no big deal. Think about that. No big deal. That you you cooking? What you having? Fish? You know I'm, I'm there. Give me your address. I'm there. Wow. Yeah. Did for that sure. happen often? Yeah. What you talking about? Yeah. Of course. That's crazy. I, I'm at your door. What you cooking? Something I like? I'm there. Or what you like? If you want me there, I'm going to tell you what I like. You want it? Let's go. So I had no problem with that at all. No, because the fans were almost like they knew you and you knew them. It was it was it was really different because we had a we had a we had a lot of hands-on approach with our fans. You know, I, I knew I knew the fans, you know, it just and when those big games will come and it'll be so many fans and they want autographs, man, I probably wouldn't get out to the gym for another two hours. Cause you'd sign them. Yes. I was I was sign but I you know I don't think this place hopefully it'll get back to that, but it wasn't a place like this in the world, man. You know, and I've been to a lot of places and I played a lot of a lot of places. You know, mm -hmm. major colleges, mm -hmm. major, uh, different leagues, whatever, uh, different teams. This is nothing, nothing like the people here is like incredible. It's crazy. It was almost like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. You know, when Bill Bizey, the guy, Bill. Oh, Bill yeah. the, With the program. Oh, man, the, Bill was yeah. like the guy, you know, my, my, my boy, Bill, you want to go eat? Yes, Bill, let's go eat. The next day he's with the program. It's, it was crazy. It was just like a scene. It was all love, man. I loved it. The um, the first three seasons you were in Minnesota. Well, the only your first three NBA seasons were all in Minnesota. Yes. You played yes. all eighty-two. Yes. All three seasons. Yes. All eighty-two. Yes. Yeah. I, That's also impressive. Well, back then, you want to play. I you you want to play, you but sometimes, this. like a, a pulled hamstring, is going to keep you from it. Well, if you're doing the things that you normally do, I don't, I don't, when, when someone, when someone eats, I don't think they sprain their wrist when they eat. <laughs> I mean, when you used to doing something over and over and over again, and you, you love what you do, you're not only going to let a tweak. I don't even remember having a tweak, but if I did, I probably, it wasn't significant enough to keep yeah. me out. No way. I would have to blow something out where I couldn't really do it. And I'm not going to go out there hobbling at all. So I was pretty much 100%. Like they say, you don't know how strong that teabag is until it's placed in hot water. 
you don't know how strong a tea bag is until it's placed in hot water. 100%. Genius. 100%. The truth. Yours was strong. Yes. Because I loved it because I knew the fans was expecting me to do something. At least to play. They play hard, at least. Well, you had a lot of fans to uh, you had a lot of fans to put on a show for because the, those Metrodome crowds. The very first season, the only season of Timberwolves basketball at the Metrodome was incredible. The first regular season home game was against Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, the Bulls. That was November eighth. 1989 and I was watching the video on YouTube and you guys had those shiny white warm-up <laughs> don't remind me like we ready for jackets. Vegas show <laughs> oh, they were so fresh they were just bright and shiny but it was like they fit the moment because that arena was huge and you guys a few times packed it yes yes what is it like to play in front of 40 plus thousand Oh, man, so, like I said, it was it was like forty plus thousand, and I'm telling you, you think you know every last one of them. It was just that kind of environment, you know. Well, you from had the, you had from dinner the, with some of them. From, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> they probably what they say like you. We have a tab for you here in my house, right? <laughs> but uh, even the little babies and all the stuff, and and when I was signing some autographs yesterday, it was some. A lot of people was coming up and saying, man, I remember the Metrodome. I was five years old. And oh, that's what I, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I should be like, <laughs> oh, you tell them my age? Or should I be like, oh, yeah. So it was it was a really, it was a good experience, you know, to have those many fans. It was it was crazy. And yeah. I think, I want to think, I think we had more for the Celtics. I think we had like 62,000, 64? Well, the highest I read was fan appreciation night on your very last home game. Okay. And it was April 1990, 49, 49, okay. 551. Wow. It was uh, Denver Nuggets. Okay. So that that's what's in the record books. Wow. As the uh, still the fourth highest attendance game ever in the NBA. Wow. In the NBA, just a hair under fifty thousand. Did you ever look mm. up and especially into the corners in the upper deck and wonder what? can those fans even see? And this was the, before the big jumbotron. Yes, I was wondering. Yeah, I, I I think it was just there because the event itself. Yes. And the way this it was set up like we were on stage. Yep. It was set up like the, the way the court was set up and the lights was was like it was almost like we was on stage like we were performing. And sometimes you just want to be at the venue even though you don't have the best ticket. But you in the building. You in the building, and uh, you can like, okay, I think that's what's going on, you know. But it was, it was a, it was a great experience. Yeah. It's like, and I would, and when you plan the game, you're not, you're not even recognizing that. You, you can, you can know the people that's at front row and maybe a few rows behind, but you're not really recognizing that. There's so many fans, you know. I, I thought, I thought that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, I just what I because yeah, that was your first year. That's all you knew. <laughs> that's all I knew, right? I thought that was what it's supposed to be. And then when you play somewhere and when there's no fans, I'd rather for it to be way more fans than to be ten people. You know, I think sure. the concentration okay. level goes mm -hmm. up and expectation level goes up, and then you have self accountability that you you know you have to kind of do the things, the right things, and play the right way. Yeah. Well, those some of, some of those photographs from like the upper level corner. <sighs> 
and as you said, the stage, I mean, it's just incredible. It's this massive bowl, and then boom, yes. there's the show. Yes. Way down there, Way down but there. there's the show. <laughs> it's pretty unique. Yeah, but, but at that time, we wasn't, we were playing hard, but I think Michael and them was putting on the show. Yeah, they might have won. <laughs> won that game. We'll give them that one. Okay, okay. Um, so you played three seasons for Minnesota, yes. and a couple for Indiana, and five in L.A. for yes. the Clippers. yes. Overseas for a year in Italy. Yes, yes. As you got to 32, 33, mm -hmm. did you know that your basketball career would be ending very yes, soon? Yes, yes. You knew. Were you yes. okay with that? Yeah, you yeah. Were. It was time. It, it, was, it was time because when I even went to Italy, I went there because Joe and Kobe and those mm -hmm. guys asked me to go and help them with their team. Um, that's the only reason why I went because – I was I was I was basically done. I was done. Um, I was doing other things in my life, you know, through some friends in Minnesota, L.A., you know, been playing college basketball there to finish my career there. I had a lot of friends that was in business and a lot of relationships that I had. I went to school with some people and I had some people here that was looking out for me. And, you know, I was able to, you know, do some good investments, some good stuff. Sure. So it was that time for me. It was time. You had played basketball your whole life, starting as a kid in Philadelphia. Yes. You had played basketball. Mm -hmm. And you were okay? Like, was there a tough transition of, like, well, now, I'm all of a sudden, now I'm not a basketball player? No. no. Why do you think that was easier for you? I, th I think it was easier. One thing was I was already prepared. That's the first thing. The second thing was I was playing for Donald Sterling. <laughs> so it was easier when you're playing for the Clippers to, like, I don't think I want to come back to this. So it was, it was, it was, it was one of those kind of things, you know. So it was, uh, I was already, I was ready, I was ready because yeah. I just wanted to. I never, I never played basketball for like notoriety or anything like that. I always played it because I loved it, and I loved the people that brings that gravitates to it, you know. So I wanted to get back to like being like a regular person. You know, I just felt that I wasn't a really? regular person. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to be able to, like, go somewhere and just be, like, a person, just be a guy. You, 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 I don't know if you really kind of understand it. No, but, I get it. Because I kinda wanna playing be a guy. in the NBA and living in the NBA is right. not a real world uh, yeah. for those of us it, that don't play in the NBA. Right. It's, it's a different world. Right. I just wanted to be, like, like a guy, like, uh, you know, like. Just like this guy over here, I just wanted to be like that guy. I wanted to go to the mall and be like that guy, you know, just hang out and just, you know, go buy my own stuff. I don't have to, I don't need no one buying my stuff. I cook my own food. I don't, I, you know, I learned, I know how to cook. So, you know, I know how to live. And so I just wanted to be like a guy and just, I was looking forward to that. And I, and I, and I'm honestly, and I haven't gotten back into basketball on a professional level or at a college levels, uh, mm -hmm. a major college level yet. Because I I like being a guy, and 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 I spend a lot of my time like I live in the Palm Springs area, mm -hmm. so I spend a lot of my time at the College of the Desert. A lot of guys who's at junior college, who may not never get to those levels, mm -hmm. not even talking professionals, Division One or Division Two levels, and those are the guys that's normally forgot about, you know, because it's like uh, you got to go to junior college, your, your career, your life is over. And I just go in and I spend time with them and I, and I go in the gym with them and I do all this other stuff because I only live 10 minutes from them and let them know that, you know, basketball is not, 
your whole life, and you you can do some things. And 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 like I said, I was explaining to a guy is that we play, we have played professional basketball. Uh, you're professional at what you do, and you do a great job at that. You know, your next door neighbor who has the same kind of lifestyle, because if he's your next door neighbor mm -hmm. or if he, she's your next door neighbor, so you figure out, you knock on their door, what do you do to live next door to me? I gotta know what you do, you know, because that person may not have the shelf life we have, mm -hmm. and you never know what comes out of that, you know? It, it may be something that they can teach you to kind of further, because when you do basketball, that's all you do, like you said. Yes. So. There's other elements to life, but you know, your all your neighbors aren't basketball players, or football That's players. True. You That's know, true. so they do something. So let's find out what they do. Don't be afraid to knock on their door. I knock on doors, man. You I'm just, just a guy, man. Knock on doors. Yeah. You just hey, see you, what the name. You're my are neighbor. Doing. What are you doing? You know, I'm uh, looking over in this yard. You know, <laughs> you got a pool back there. You know, I got a pool. What do you do? You know, you're a contractor. What do you do? Like, you know, just you know, just yeah, trying to get to you're know just your a people. Guy you're a guy. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Do your neighbors like it? They come over and ask for, you know, autographs, certain things, or I like, oh, like when I go home now, um, I know I already got bombarded with so many uh, uh, texts and emails and stuff. I'm not a big social media guy because I don't know how to work that stuff as, as well as, mm -hmm. as these young people do. So I'm getting so many pictures. I'm like, how did he get the picture? from just last night, me on the court. Like, oh, congratulations and all this stuff. So I know when I get back to, to, to LA and get back to Palm Springs area, I saw you, I did this. Yeah. When oh, I go yeah. to the supermarket, I saw you, <laughs> I did this. You know, so I'm getting ready for it. I already know what's gonna happen. Your neighbor's gonna be knocking on your door. They always, they always, it's always something, but it's cool. I'm this guy, it's cool. It sounds like um, in Palm Strings too, you've gotten into, well, you still, you're still around the game a yes. little bit. You're yes. still around the mm -hmm. game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And you've also gotten into golf yeah, and bit. pickleball. Yes. Now, that is crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you play? I, I've played. I mean. You don't it, love it? Well, you know, I live in Minnesota and oh, I'm a little busy during right, the season. Right, right, but, right, right, uh, it right, is, right. It is very popular. Yes. It is gaining a ton of momentum, and yes. it sounds like you have been really bitten by the old pickleball bug. I have. I have. I'm telling you. Uh, are, you are you good? Are you competitive? Is it, it bringing out the juice in you again? Man, it's bringing out the juice, man. Look, look. I, uh, I, had, I see, like I said, around the corner for me, this, this, this is like this little neighborhood cafe. I go to the cafe. It's, it's like... Only it only serves lunch. It's from from breakfast to lunch, right? So I go to this cafe and this and, I, and this guy, this older guys, keep asking me, you know, you know, you know, play pickleball, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like I was in the NBA. No, I don't play no pickleball, and he's asking me every day, play pickleball, play, you know, go out there with me, hit a few, and I and I'm like telling this guy, no, I'm not doing that stuff, you know, I'm not I'm not interested, and then I just have a general conversation. Then one day I said, you know what, man, you've been asking me every day. Cause I go to this place almost at least four days a week, right? It's a local local spot, sure. right? Yep. Where the guys hang, you know, just a guy. So I go to this place. So he says, I say, you know what, man? I'm gonna come out with you next week. What day is good? Monday morning at nine. We can go at Freedom Park, and it's about nine courts, and everyone's out there. I said, all right, we won't go. So I go, and I look like. 
I see a lot of senior citizens, right? It's like, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> so I'm like, this is, I'm looking at the sign. This is Freedom Park. I said, okay, yeah, I'm, a, I'm here. Now I'm looking for my guy. Where's the guy at? I said, oh, he set me up. This guy ain't coming. Like, I can't believe this guy. He walks in. Let's go. Takes me to the court. There's two senior citizen guys there. They had to be at least 70. Right? So we out there. I said, come on, man. We're playing with the old heads, man. You know, what, <laughs> what are we doing, man? We're going switch, to switch teams. He said, no, no, we're going to play against them, right? If you're talking about all spanking that the old heads put on me that day. Oh, really? Oh, man. <laughs> they was hitting shots, and, I, and, and it's so crazy because I still have great athleticism. So I'm running down every shot, right? But when I run down a lob, I can run it down and get in front of it and hit it. But then they hit something right in front of me and drops and spin off over myself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I got tore up. So I said, okay, enough of this. So – I went to the tip mode. Every day I'm at every day I'm at pickleball. I'm at pickleball five days a week. Oh my goodness! Do you, do you hear me? Five. In the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, and I leave about eleven, eleven thirty. I don't go to all like all the old heads is like done. And what I like about that game is that it doesn't matter your gender. Don't matter. You can be a lady. You can be a man. You can play mixed doubles. You can yeah. play. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter about the age. That's what I like about it so much. So you get a chance to be like people like, they could be like your grandpa or your grandma. And you can play yeah, against you can them. Play. And they yeah. having fun. And they making shots. And they doing stuff. And they, they really, you can see it like bringing the juices out of them as well. And so I just like, I'm going to start coming every day. And then on Tuesday nights, I go to a guy. He's supposed to start teaching me lessons now, that's gonna be Tuesday but on Sunday I get I get home tomorrow Sunday morning I'm at Freedom Park playing those same guys that kicked your butt playing I you know I, I got some I got a couple of them back they, they start saying how long you been playing I said about a month and a half now and they said hey, you got good real quick I said because I'm playing every day I'm not missing a day I'm not missing a day I mean I'm calling around find out what's the best rackets What's the best? What's the best paddles to have? You oh, know, because no. I'm like you I'm in like, deep now. I'm in deep, man. Shark infested water, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in real deep, but I love it. it. You know, I think what it does that that game itself it doesn't really separate you. It bring bring you together because mm -hmm. everyone can play it, and it's such a it's a quick, efficient, short game. You play up to eleven, and then if you lose. By the time you set, sit your, your paddles down, they're calling you to play Next on another one. court. Yep. Yeah. So you you constantly getting workout. You're constantly getting getting some work in. And that's what I like about it the most. And then you hear some of the stories. We have so many people from Canada up there. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they call them snowbirds where yep. I'm from. Probably from Minnesota, too. A lot of people from Minnesota. I met some people from Minnesota. They told me about the times at the Metro Dome. <laughs> they was giving me my whole spiel. And I said, you know, I'm leaving, going there next week. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, just say say hello to the state for me. We, we're not coming back for another two months. So, yeah, I, I, it's a great experience. I'm having fun with it. Yeah, it sounds like you are a very yeah. well-adjusted just human being in general. You're happy, you're positive, you found your it. place. It's, it's cool, you know, and then when I come back and – 
I think a lot of it because the the the, the foundation that the people here have um, for me when I was younger, you know, as a young man, mm -hmm. uh, I was always remaining to be grounded, you know. Um, you know, I, I you know I look at basketball as something that I did have fun with, and and made a living, made a good living with it, and met a lot of people in the process, but that's not. It's not the all be all, you know. Mm -hmm. Other people have different issues that they deal with life. And we, I was talking to one of the guys uh, here that's in, in with the management, Moses, this guy. He was mm -hmm. talking about some, you know, how people go through the mental health stuff. And I said the resources that's provided for the guys nowadays are in ladies that's provided nowadays wasn't there when, when I was around. And it wasn't looked at as something that was positive. So a lot of people hid from the pressures they could receive. And I, and I, and I think that for me, Tib, Tib was my, my therapist, was my guy, was my one. Because I don't know if I didn't have him, you know, how my outlook or attitude would have been. And I don't think I would have been in position to take advantage of the opportunities that's provided for me. So when I did play those 82 games or those seasons where I played all game, mm -hmm. all the games, I wouldn't be ready for that. I wouldn't have been ready. And it's important that you have someone you could talk to about certain things. Because you know, talking to yourself is cool, but then you will start answering yourself, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's one of those kind of things. And um, I'm very appreciative of, of what I've learned here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and someone asked me a, a question I thought was, uh, it was, it was a phenomenal question. It was like, if you were your younger self being who you are today, what would you do different? And I said, I wouldn't have got frustrated and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got frustrated and I wouldn't have left Minnesota. I'd have played my whole career here. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because? Because uh, I think that it was the place for me. I, 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 if I had to do something over again, yeah, that's, a, that's the only thing I think basketball-wise that in my situation, I was, was in control of my, where I was going to play. I was always in control mm -hmm. of that. And I, I wanted to be gone because I was so frustrated about, you know, the way things was being handled and, and stuff like that. Quite naturally, times are different. But if I had to do it all over again, and once again, I didn't have that one in the locker room to grab me by my neck and say, hey, man, listen, you stick this out. This is, this is for you. You know, I didn't have that, you know. So when 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 that was gone and, and Tibbs was gone and all that stuff, so I didn't I didn't have that. So, you know, it was it was it was if I could have did it all over again, I would have just played my whole career here. Wow. It's interesting to hear you say that because Timberwolves fans, we associate you with the Timberwolves tightly. That'll never change. For you it was only three years yes. of your ten yes. NBA. Yes. Just three. Yes. But you are so tied to Minnesota. When we hear your name, boom, Timberwolves. Right. But it sounds like for you, yes. it also holds a special place. It wasn't just, well, that's where it started. No. It, 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 was, it, was, it was about, I learned more of my life lessons about people here. Uh, you know, L.A. is cool. and it's, it's Hollywood, man. You know? So everything is not what it is. At least what you see here is what it is. The snow is the snow. The coal is the coal. The people are the people. And I, I, when I came here, 
I brought like three people with me that I had relationships with as friends at, at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And one guy who was, uh, who was uh, working at my high school. So when I, when I got here, I brought them out because they were people that I knew, I trust, and helped me navigate way around you know, to the day they still here. They're still here. They lived here. Yeah, they lived. They never left. They never. You left. Never they left. never left. They never left. I was with one at the game. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. invite him as my guest because uh, they the, the teams was gracious enough to allow me have a guest, and I and I had him come with me and and have that That's same great. experience. You know, because they was remind him of back at the, when it was at the Metrodome and all that sitting courtside yeah. and, and stuff like yeah. that. So. You know that, that that's the only thing that I I, I kind of re regret, you know. And and sometimes you 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 have to reflect on certain things, and hold yourself accountable. And that was all my doing. So I regret that. That's the that's the only thing in basketball that I regret. Anything else is it's okay. But that's the only thing I regretted because I should have played my whole career here. Well, things worked out for you. Yeah, so things worked things out. Things worked out. Things are worked out. Things worked out great. Yes, and I'm glad to be back. And and you know, I'm glad to sit down. Even sitting down talking with you, I feel, feel very grateful. Um, I do watch you. I watch your program. I watch what you do. I'm happy for you. I think Thank you're you. doing a great job. Thank you, um, Pete. He ain't worth nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I hope you hear this. I hope you see this. Um, but. Uh, He's been great also as a, as a good friend yeah. and uh, continue success for you guys. And, um, you know, like I said, you do a great job. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It, it's great to have you back here Thank because you. there's there's a lot of love. There's a lot of respect, admiration, but just a lot of love from Thank Timberwolves you. fans, Timberwolves Nation. So. Yeah, I love them as well. Thank you. you know, Thank you guys for having me. You yeah, know. thanks for doing this. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wolves Plus, presented by Aura.